Hello and welcome back to Drama School Dropout, the UK's third best drama podcast. As per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. This week it's episode 121 and I am joined by an absolutely spectacular actress who I have been working with very closely for the past four months. She's playing my mum in This Is Where We Get Off. Please welcome to the podcast, Tanya McDonald. It's just the oddest thing, you know, your stage mum blowing up Johnny's on the stage. Her house is just armed with Anne Summer's latest products. Twelve hours later, I wake up in a bathtub wearing a pair of sunglasses and a wizard's hat. You were just about to say, my ex-boyfriend's penis. All of this and more coming up on Drama School Dropout. Drama School Dropout No graduation day for you Drama School Dropout Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's all good. I feel like I just saw you like five days ago. (laughs) That's because you did. I did. Oh, that day was a fucking nightmare. I was so tired. I think we all are. It's January. It's just a shite month, isn't it? Like we were getting to the end of the act. Oh, by the way, for context, this is um Tanya and she is in This Is Where We Get Off on February the 11th at Webster's. She's playing my stage mum. Uh, ticket link in the show notes below. Come along and see it. Um, But we got to the end of that act the second time. And I looked at Heather and I went, I don't know if I can get through the last scene. Can we just call it after Voulez-Vu? And Heather was like, no. I know. I was the same, I was like, I'm actually seeing double now at this point. I was so tired, and then you were very lovely and gave us a lift home, and I was like, thank fuck. You both deserved that, I could tell, I could just read the room, I was like, they need a little bit of TLC. I was just like, I don't, I don't know what it was, like, I think it was just first time back after doing nothing for literally a month, like, literally, Without what a doubt. was that, like, the 14th, I didn't go back to work until, like, the 12th. When was I back? Before? It was just, yeah. It's getting back into the swing of it, isn't it? Yeah. Using all your skills. I was like, what's this being outside? (laughs) (laughs) Actually doing work. But it's mad. Um, We're going to talk about this is where we get off just in a little bit later. I don't want to ram it right down the listeners' throats already. But how's life? Because like you said, we're sort of getting back to normal after Christmas, after the pandemic, even though we're still in in a pandemic. Like all these mad things. Yeah, really good. Are you wanting me to talk about my day job? I know you said you don't because it doesn't bother me. It's up to you. So obviously, well, for those who don't know, I am a drama and musical theatre teacher in a secondary school, which I adore. Which happens to also be the secondary school that I went to for like a year. Which I can't believe. I think that's just how But we never cross paths. Yeah, but just how lives cross over. So January's always a tough month because you're just back into that routine two weeks off at Christmas, that week before is just joyous chaos in a school. So it's always really nice and it's quite frenzied in the lead up to Christmas and you feel on a real high and, you know, just it was lovely, I think, this year. So you're getting all the festivities back, you know, mm. Christmas markets, Christmas night out. You know, just being out and about again was so lovely that I think we've all came into January a little bit shell-shocked because we just weren't used to it. You know, last Christmas was so chilled and insular and we were still, I think, in our bubbles as well, I think. It was at, right after in January, just because I remember because we had our showcase in January last year, like uh, everything was getting fine. And then right after Christmas, omicron hit that's right the new variant so like we had like a 
a sensible, normal Christmas in whatever those words mean. But then right after Christmas, it was like, ha ha, you all thought you were free. Get back mm-hmm. in the hood. I know. I mean, see when you do think back to it, it's the, all that stuff how we could sit in restaurants, but the second you stood up, they were like, no, you need to put on your PPE to go to the toilet because you'll catch the virus, you know, on foot as opposed to sitting down. And you just followed it. I think we were all just so panicked and you, nobody knew what we were doing. Remember and... queuing outside of like supermarkets? Crazy. Remember washing your shopping? I didn't go that far. Bedlam, I did, because I was actually back at home. I was just sort of, um, I timed it really well. I had a breakup with my ex-partner, so I'd moved out of our shared home, and I'd went back to my parents, and then lockdown hit, and I was like, oh, fuck's sake, talk about timing. But it was actually really nice because I got some quality time, you know, back with my mum and dad after years away, which was lovely, Mm. and they got to know my wee cat. So he's right in the family fold. They do actually refer to Jax as their grandson. And then when people ask my mum to show pictures of him, I always love to then see the reaction. People are like, oh, Sandra, it's a cat. Right, okay. Okay, right, we're, we're, we're with you now. Okay, but yes, my grandson and folk are like that. Oh, how old is he? She's like, oh, four. He's really advanced for his age. He's so gentle. It like, bigs him up that they obviously think it's this sort of adorable four-year-old little boy. And then it's just this little ginger British short hair. But I love that then all of your mum and dad's friends think that you're old enough to have a four-year-old. They do. Well, actually, I could. I actually found out the other day, I had a kid that actually said to me, um, that his mum was 35, which isn't much of me. I'm 34. Um, I know, I, even though I look really, really young. And I thought to myself, I can't believe that I could actually have a child that would be, how old must he be? About 15, I think his mum had him at 20. And I'm like, oh, it's just, couldn't imagine that, having a teenager. No, I'd rather have a cat. I love kids. There was a girl that was cat. pregnant during like my GCSE exams. Well, there were several in my school. And I was like, you're about to have a child. And I like, still don't know, like, how to do several things exactly i mean it is phenomenal isn't it like just to be sort of catapulted into adulthood like that she's got like three kids now and i'm like disgusting i mean live your live your life do you not like kids at all i give myself food poisoning on the regs um Mm. and also i know how expensive i am as a child (laughs) (laughs) like literally i'm twenty small not for much longer and text my dad today saying my phone bill comes out on Monday. Can you put it in my bank, please? Do not say your father will then deposit your phone bill into your bank account. My dad pays my phone bill. That's a disgrace. I've girl. never paid my own phone bill. You need to get a grip. There's children in Yemen who are like nine that know how to work a gun that are getting sent to war. And you're like, Daddy, can you pay my phone bill? No resilience. No resilience. I mean, so you're telling me, your mum and dad gave you a fucking air fryer. I told you that in confidence. <laughs> That was yeah, when my, we were off air. Yeah, my dad, we did. My dad yeah. pays my phone bill. That's sweet. Other than that, I'm pretty like... But that does sum up, though, that's true, that a, a child's your child all your life. Like, you're exactly. 24 and they'll still see you. They'll be like, our baby boy, of course, will pay his phone bill. And you're exactly right. I'm very lucky. I'm blessed. I've still got two parents. And they are amazing. You know, they're, they are fantastic. I know they're just at the end of a phone. Very lucky. Um, And I think as you do get older, as we all are, you do realise how lucky we are. You know, I've got a lot of friends who lost parents very young. And I can't begin to imagine, like, for a second what that must have been like. But, you know, we are. And I think if they want to do things like pay our phone bill, you know, the least we can do is let them. Yeah. It's what they want to do. It's the service I'm providing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, he, he did say not long ago, he was like, when are you going to pay your own phone bill? And I was like, when you die. <laughs> <laughs> And even then you're like, but dad, naturally, you'll obviously have so much put away in the bill. 
to pay oh. my phone bill <laughs> yeah. for the remainder of my adult life. Yeah, 110%. Phone bills are fucking dear. Is it scaring you yet that the 11th is ever looming closer? A hundred percent. I think my arse has been sweeping actually since last Saturday. It's came around very fast. I think that's what, yeah. you know, is a sign of a really good rehearsal process, I think. See, when something does sort of fly in, you know, you're obviously enjoying yourself and enjoying who you're working with. But I am nervous. This is the first live production I've done since COVID, actually. So I think it is. It's a really big deal, not only, I think, for the performers on stage, but it's a huge deal for the audience. You know, I I found the first thing I went to see once the theatres were back up and running, you know, one of the most emotional experiences, I think, of anything Mm -hmm. I've ever went through, just being back in a live theatre after they had just been closed and and sort of left. Mm -hmm to just their own devices, you know, as the arts just were not supported in any way, shape or form. So I think it definitely, there's a real sort of sobering thought of when you are up there performing now, just how lucky you are. And I think you really savour those moments that maybe before you would take for granted or sort of wash over. So I'm trying very hard to lean into the fear, you know, lean into the nerves. Nerves are good. It means you care. I mean, all of you can run away, but like I've been doing so much promo this week for it. Like every time I'm on the podcast and every time I just like mention the 11th of February, I just feel like my asshole tighten. Yeah. And you get that feeling where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to spew shit myself. That's horrible when your belly's just <laughs> like... I don't know, like, I just, I I feel like we've had the exact same amount of rehearsal time as last time, like, more really, because we've had cast at every rehearsal, Mm -hmm. but it feels like five minutes ago we all walked into that room for the first time. Without a doubt. And I'm like, the fuck is going, like, how is the show next month? Well, actually, when's this coming out? (laughs) I was going to say, is this coming out the same month? The 31st is January, so (gasps) we've got, as we're both listening to this back on release day, Oh, 11 less days. Than two weeks. Oh 11 fucking days. <gasps> so we will have just had our second to last rehearsal. Yeah, and Ingram, Ingram will have shouted at me because I still won't know my lines. Oh, not. you better fucking know them this week. <laughs> I said to my mum last night, I was like, I feel a shout coming on. No, don't shout to me. I'll honestly can't. I hate being shouted at. I'm such a toxic empath. I'm a real <laughs> genuine people pleaser. And I'm just really, I think though, again, you know, I was actually speaking to my friend because I was starting to get really freaked out about it. I was like, my God, I've actually forgotten how to learn a script. I was like, is this like long COVID? Has that affected my brain? Why is this not going in? And he was just like, Tanya, calm yourself down. You are working a full-time job and it is the type of job as well where I also work hours on my day off. That's just a given, as we know. And I know many people do that, by the way. This is not me getting out my tiny violin. But I think he was just a wee bit like, just remember, this isn't the only thing you've got that you can focus on just now when you've got a lot of tabs open. Just remember, you know, check in with yourself. Do a little bit every day, you know, little and often, which I've not had time to actually do this week, but I will be doing some script work tonight. Um, I'm just going to be honest. I haven't learned Act 2 yet. Um, It's Act 2 that I'm worried about. Because I actually felt okay. See, after I thought, right, Act 1, I know my sticky bits. We're all good. I know what I can mm. work on there. I also know the scenes where I'm like, feel fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, us, when, whenever I've got dialogue with you, but I think that's a mum and son thing. Yeah. It kind of flows, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that says much about me and the guy playing my husband, because our scenes just... <laughs> I love John. No, I'm going to be honest with you, right? And I would say this to John while I was there. I am 
So mine and Heather's directing styles are very, very different, right? Heather will try to find um, the positive in anything, okay? Yes, I've noticed that. She is very much the cheerleader, isn't she? I'm like, why are we focusing on the positive? Because we've got limited time. Let's focus on the fucking negative because then I can fix those. My directing style is very similar to our other castmate, Leah Moorhouse, because I grew up with her directing me yeah and a lot of the stuff that i wrote on saturday was i'm not writing any notes because none of them know the lines like in in all honesty like i know i, I, know. I, I get it though i get it we, it was after christmas but i was like what the fuck's the point why are we even here i know i know <laughs> so i feel like when you and john know your lines because the scenes between me and you I went know. really well because i knew my lines <laughs> i know do you know that's probably what it is because although I didn't know my lines like you said you were fine so you would keep me on track likewise same with Leah same with Frida and then obviously <laughs> John just blind leading the blind the two so I actually even know what do, you, what, what do we say at this bit just these massive pauses and me just looking at Heather what is it and you're like trust yourself you know it and I'm like no I actually don't I can't think of a word right now Ingram like I couldn't think of words <laughs> it wasn't even like I could improv the scene I was like Ingram you're actually I'm scared now and I've actually forgotten how to speak I don't know how to move my mouth I don't know what I'm doing the show is next month I really feel I've bitten off more than I can chew it's too late now we're past the point of no return I know oh, I will you. murder you I and will like worry, come Dan, to I'm your flat in the middle of the night and slit your throat if you drop out of this production we're down I would never do that it's not my style if I've committed to a project I'll do it we do not want a repeat <laughs> we will not be having that especially because I know you and Heather's history with this show so trust me I promise you I will be there I just need no it'll be fine to... when the lines are down Exactly. It will be absolutely fine. It will be because I'll make it fine. We just need to make it work. You'll be quitting your day job and we'll be having extra rehearsals. I'll have to. I'll be like that. I'm sorry. We've sold out Webster's Theatre. I need to commit to this so I won't be in all week. Thank you. Well, we might not have sold out by now, but if we have and uh, show notes, uh, go down to the show notes, link in the show notes, buy a ticket. It's mad. But we may as well just talk about it because I've, I've got questions that I want to ask you because I think Yeah, sure. Go for like, it. And then we'll we'll come back to the other life of Tanya when we have finished talking about this is where we get off. Um, mm-hmm. Like, because I think it's dead interesting because I, I have such like a, a tunnel vision on it because I, I wrote it, I direct yeah. it, and now I'm in it for some fucking reason. That chapter of my memoir is going to be fucking wild. <laughs> I didn't see that. I must say I did not see that recasting coming. You were you were very sneaky. No, I mean, when you kept saying you'll meet your son on Saturday, like I thought there was another person oh, being right. added to the team. And then when I walked in, you're like, yeah, it's me. It's me. I'm actually your son now. And I was like, okay, right. That, Massive 180. Actor, director, like, and writer. And producer. Extraordinaire. Like, that came... It was the last thing I wanted to do. Like, it was really bottom of my fucking list this year. Do you enjoy it, though? See, now you've taken it on. I know it's, you said, obviously, it's not perhaps a part you would normally, but do you kind of enjoy it, though, when you're up getting the chance to maybe do something that you wouldn't have normally done? Oh, 100%, because it's just, like, me getting a chance to, like, flex muscles that I've never flexed before because it's, like, a character that I... Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm too old to play the character. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm going to be having a discussion with Heather about that this week because I think we need to change his age to 21. Right. We also do need to remember that I'm an incredibly young-looking 34-year-old. And yeah, well, you're 38 30, in the play. So 21 is what? What's 38 minus 21 maths was never my strong suit. Like, um, that would be 17. You could have had a baby when you were 17. Of course I could have, absolutely. I just, like, I don't know, like, listen, 
regardless, I'm putting oh, everything wow. I've got into it. The show's going to be great. Yeah, definitely. But, like, I can't even find I think, guys. R.I.P. Josh Knowles. Once you take off your, your beard. Oh, yeah, I do scoot down. No, you have a little baby face under there. I do think 18's a push. <laughs> like, R.I.P. Josh Knowles. I wish, like, I wish, like, when I look back, when I look at the cast, like, I feel like we've got the best cast we've ever had. And I wish Josh was still there because Josh was fucking amazing. Oh, really? Was he in your first? Yeah. Of it? yeah. Mm-hmm. So Josh, like, Josh just knew the character. Yeah, it just was a bit of him. Josh just knew who he was, right? Don't get me wrong. I know who he is because I know who I wrote him based on because I wrote a lot of lip stuff. That was just the way that me and Heather wrote. But, like, Josh just, without, like, sucking up his ass too much, like, was fucking amazing. Oh. And I hope he's listening to this and I hope he feels terribly, oh. like, what's the word I'm looking for? Terribly, like, horrible. Later on there. Yeah. But, like, I, I I don't know, like, I always find it, like, interesting. You were on holiday when I first sent you the script because right. you were, again, another sort of replacement, one of the best replacements I've ever had. Um, what what did what did you think of the show? Because you read sort of a, a redrafted version of the show that was then redrafted again. That's right. I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to say, by the way. So, no, that would be right. But I, I wouldn't say your redraft, though, was miles apart from the version that I got when I was... If you'd have seen um, the first show, it's some miles apart. ...on Holidays from Hell in um, Fort Ventura. Um, but no, I would definitely say the moment I got the script. Again, I think as well, because Leah had sort of spoke to me prior as well. And a bit like you have known Leah since I was really young myself. So there's always a trust there, isn't it? When it's somebody you've worked with a number of times. And and I knew that Leah wouldn't just be saying, oh, read this, I think you'll really like it. Um, she went, I think, you know, you will understand the character. And I thought, right, if Leah's saying that, then absolutely. And without a doubt, you know, the moment it gets sent through, obviously it helped I was sitting by a swimming pool. That was a nice venue to... <laughs> peruse your script you come back to glasgow and you're like what the fuck am i doing this was all good in the sun i know it's true because evidently i was steaming on the all-inclusive <laughs> um no i'm just joking i was self-catering um <laughs> i love that you still you were still steaming <laughs> but just it wasn't all-inclusive <laughs> obviously it goes without saying 5 p.m somewhere but no the moment i read it actually i went down to my i was actually in holiday with my sister and i said to her i says no actually lara there's something that's really hooked me in with this and i think it was exactly that it was so similar in its style to programs like shameless gavin and stacy two pints of lager and a packet of crisps programs that have been absolute landmarks I would say in my life like I can remember you know like when they were out when I first discovered them and they're programs that I've watched over and over again I don't think um, they'll ever age I just think they're incredibly well written and there was so many similarities between this is where we got off and those sort of shows where I was just like no absolutely I want to be involved in this and I'm so glad I did say yes because it's really been such a joyous production to be part of for the first hurrah back post-COVID. I honestly couldn't have picked a better team of people to be working alongside. We do have a pretty, like, I think the group of people are just fucking amazing. We, we just got on. We just, you know, there's always, you know, I always think when you do any production, there's always one or two and you're like, oh, they're a bit of a dick. Or they're nice enough, but we wouldn't really be friends out with this. Does that make sense? I feel like we could all go on holiday together. 
Oh, 100%. Oh, my goodness, that is a reality show waiting to happen. And I think that is it. Like, at rehearsals, we just all really bounce off each other. It's always such a great atmosphere. I love the way we just sort of slag one another. Like, we have that family dynamic, even yeah. though... Well, the family dynamic on stage, but then it, it carries on off stage, I think. You know, we just really have gelled. And I'm, mm. I'm going to be very sad when this finishes. There's no doubt about it. The, the sort of post-show blues will set in. And I think especially because we're only doing it for one night. Well, if we sell lots of tickets, I will have enough money to book another theatre. That's true. You know, one night on the 11th of February, though, but it's almost that way as well. You just really want to savour that that day together as well, you know, because normally you would have sort of like a week or two and you would have that run together. And I think it's just even, there's just going to be a real sadness, I think, you know, at the end of that scene, you know, mm. I'm not giving away any spoilers, obviously, for um, people coming to see it. But I will be in the wings, I think, like trying to hold myself together just to be like, my God, I can't believe this is done. I've just really enjoyed spending my Saturdays with, you know, these amazingly talented people, but also just genuinely really lovely. It's just been so nice. I um, I don't think this will be the end of This Is Where We Get Off. And it, it's just such an expensive, for me, hobby. Yeah. Like theatres cost a fortune now, Ingram, and it's really sad because I remember when I was a Bambino at college, and you were encouraged by all your lecturers, you know, write your own work, get creative. The only way you're going to get a job after this is if you make your own stuff. You know, they're like, that's how you'll network and you'll get out there, and you just now are like. How's that possible? Everything is so expensive. Well, I do think I've figured it out. how? Because the first time, pictures on my Instagram for reference, the show was so big. Mm-hmm. Like, the the show in itself is sitting at, like, I'd, we haven't timed it all the way through this time, but, like, the show is sitting at, like, two and a half hours. So that means you've got to take an extended slot in the theatre. Right. And our set was something, like, 20 foot wide. So, like, there's theatres that have offered me straight up, like, free venue hire in exchange for like profit share mm-hmm. and i've had to say no because our set doesn't fit on there ah. now our set is um in the change has um become significantly smaller so i yeah we have now the luxury of i'm gonna be pushing for sort of a a local tour this year because the show is for local people so the be minimal sets you know i do i, I love that style of theater i just think it works really well and i think with what you and Heather have created, see, because your characters are so well-rounded, you don't need the big set. Does that, you know... Don't get me wrong, we need all the fucking props, though. I feel like every scene I'm oh, going, the where's the fucking spatula? Where's the fucking... <laughs> you always... Just wait until I start, like, like that day that, that I will pack my entire kitchen into the van, bring it to the theatre, and then I'll just start unloading and I'll be like, where can we put this? Where? How can we make this look like... Like literally the last time. The second you say something in a house, isn't it? It's just like, right, cover it. We need to cover it in shit. Cover it in yeah. shit. Like I've got a calendar with everyone's birthdays written. Like I know when these people's birthdays are. Last time I was like screwing fucking nails into the wall so I could hang fucking utensils up. I love it. I like that. And you did also as well, you're obviously not doing that next time, but I loved your modern family take. Remember you were showing that? My was- family. My family, sorry. I was actually watching that the other night. Robert Lindsay, what an actor. That was a lovely idea, but I know what you mean about the shadows and things, but what a great visual though, like really nice. It was an idea I had at like four o'clock in the morning. And I was like, Heather's going to hate this, but I'm going to fight for it because I really love it. 
And I took, I drew it, like I've got the drawing somewhere and I took it to Heather and I was like, here. And she was like, I love it. And I was like, ah. Yeah, I think it's great. And I think it's- But that took us four hours to put them up. I would would have got the reference as well, though, to the Mm. show that that was a nod to right away. And I love little Easter eggs like that Mm. in theatre productions. um, I think we needed more. We needed more, if anything. And- but it took so long to put them up that we didn't have a dress rehearsal. Right, see, no, that's why I'm glad that's not happening because <laughs> I would be needing that dress rehearsal. Yeah, 100%. Without but, a doubt. But, like, one of the things that I love to ask anybody that's sort of doing, because I've interviewed loads of actors now, the behind-the-scenes moments are what I'm interested in because we all see the great stuff that happens on stage. What's been your favourite, like, behind-the-scenes moment from mm. the show? Mine is definitely not being able to get in the building. Oh, God, I know it's freezing. Um, I would say when we do... <laughs> no, I can't say it, actually, because you can't put that in the podcast. Um, see, just, like, when somebody says something or does something really, really fucking stupid and we all just decide to it's take that me. moment as a collective to just like slag them as a group like it's just and we just have a moment where it's like nobody's timing it it's like maybe a minute of absolute roasting each other and then we just go straight back into what we were doing and I just like the way it's just that again like I said it's just that family dynamic so I would say that's definitely behind the scenes for me would be that also um the faces Leah pulls when I'm on stage because I don't know my lines that is great I love that because it's her, like, inner director coming out. Of course it out. is. And I love it. And that's why I then forget what I've actually, like, how to speak at all. Because I'm like, my God, Leah's so disappointed in me as well. as think I'm in here there. And John will do the opposite. He just catches my eye and, like, does this wee smirk. And I'm like, that. don't even look at me. You're just as bad as me. Like, we both feel that we're on the naughty step. I'm like, stop it now. Yeah. Um, I feel like my favourite behind-the-scenes moment so far for Run 2 is John not being able to say Bricklethwaite. Oh my god! Because he oh, doesn't wow. even say the same thing every time. That's what makes it brilliant. And you know, I'm loving it now because I'm actually laughing before he does it because I'm preempting because I'm like, what is he going to say? And he's so good. I think as a performer, I think John, when you watch him, is just unbelievably natural in every aspect of what he does when he takes on a character. That for something like that. You know, as you say, the mispronunciation of the hometown. He makes that work. He makes that fit the character I mean, that he's actually... He's going to learn how to say it. <laughs> I know he will, because I know, obviously, we know it's your baby. We know, we know. But I'm just saying, it's just... It's interesting, isn't it, that he can somehow charm an audience around to be like, oh, yeah, it's just because the character's pissed. Not that he actually doesn't know what a face yeah. I guarantee... <laughs> That's my favourite behind-the-scenes moment. Just to get that in, that also... Outstanding. That is, and for context, after the first rehearsal, a few of us went back to Leah's flat and what's the game called? We played Articulate and Heather and John were on a team and me and Leah were on a team and John got the word thespian and didn't know what it was. <laughs> like, I love that. No, but John, John is genuinely a superstar. Oh, like, he's outstanding. He's the phenomenal. first time... Like, Heather and I went to see Leah when she was in God of Carnage at East Kilbride Arts Centre. Oh, I love that play. And John was in it as well. And I'd never met John before this. Like, this was my, like, introduction to John. Mm-hmm. And me and Heather both sort of looked at each other halfway through the play. And we both said the exact same thing. Like, he'd be a really good Philip. And this wow. was before the first show even happened. Really? 
like so we did all of this show and i invited john to the show right i sort of said to john come and see the show and we're doing it again and the part's yours if you want it wow and the fucker didn't turn up <laughs> did he <you> know what <laughs> no. no um but like John is a fucking superstar and obviously John's got his sitcom Dirty Water, which is premiering on the 1st of March on STV. Timing's yeah. not yet known. I would put money on the fact that that programme is going to become as big as Still Game. That would be amazing. He is such a lovely person as well. And I think mm. you just want to see good, genuine people in this industry do well, don't you? Because mm. it's so dog eat dog and it's really refreshing when you just meet people who are just so kind and you know you just you want to see them be successful and I think it show absolutely well that there's definitely gaps just now that need filled I think in TV certainly here in Scotland and I just ever keep so subtly nudging that I want a part in series two <laughs> I'm like John <laughs> love it scratch my back I'll scratch you. I'm like I give you a, a lead role in a play <laughs> My turn. Yeah, because that's the other thing. Nobody in this play now, apart from Frida, auditioned for the show. I love Frida. Could not. Frida McDonnell is a fucking queen. You honestly couldn't. She is just remarkable. Oh, I just love watching her. And she is, again, similar to Joan. It's that naturalism, isn't it? She is just so watchable. So, Um, like, it's a testament to that, that my favourite line in the play is that be nice yeah but that's just how much that woman is like a superstar yeah and she's just a darling off stage as well i mean she really is you know just such a warm person again so easy to work with just a joy takes Um, a note like a fucking dream as well by the way and just and i love as well you know She's learning every week as well from the young team, you know, all these little sayings and social quirks. What's the horn? <laughs> oh. Do you know I feel like all of her family well, hate me. Like I feel like all of her family will hate me. Like it's no secret, it's on the fucking poster. We've got Frida McDonnell blowing up condoms in the show. Like I, and I just feel like I've corrupted her to the level of like no return. She loves it. It's a little sly smirk she'll give me during that scene. And I can't even look her in the eye because I'll start laughing because it's just the oddest thing. You know, your stage mum blowing up Johnny's on the stage. And she just, again, like you say, she's just so remarkable at finding those little tiny moments to really mark them and punch the humour behind it. And she just does so effortlessly. It's a shame I always feel like when you're a character who's on stage like Yvonne, who I play all the time, you don't get as many opportunities as others in the play Mm. to just sit, you know, behind the scenes and watch the other actors. But when I do get the moment to do that, I've just been loving that. I absolutely Mm. love just watching everybody else. That's a good point, though, because I think everyone that I know has seen the play thinks it's about Sylvia. And it's not the whole show revolves around Yvonne. None of those people would be there in that circumstance if it wasn't Yvonne. No. And I I think she's such an... Because realistically, when you look at it, I've got some funny lines. John's got some funny lines. Frida and Leah have the funniest lines in the play. Yeah. Yvonne is really what grounds it in reality. And I think that's why she's the hardest character to play. Yeah. Because I think she has to do... Like I say, Frida's blowing up condoms. John's spending half the play pissed and i talk a lot about condoms it's (laughs) and leah's lines every single one of them 
uh, more outlandish than the other. Yes. Like, all I'll say to people is, if you're going to come to this show for anything, come for the sponsored events. The, I mean, what well, I was only able to curb my laughter for most of Leah's scenes at the last rehearsal. And that was primarily because I was shite myself because I still didn't know my own lines. So I was just <laughs> actually gripped by fear. But Leah's another one. She bursts into every scene and I'm just like, I cannot look her in the eye because I am just going to corpse. It is so... And even the delivery of those sponsored events, you know what's coming and you're just like, oh my goodness, it's just flawless the way she mm. just embodies Rhonda. And I just think, I would definitely say Rhonda is probably my favourite, actually. I just think Rhonda is an absolute vibe. She is somebody I'd be pals with, 100%. If Leah didn't want to do this show and I wasn't playing lit, that'd be the character do Rhonda. I'd throw. Well, I'd change it to Ronnie. Yeah, no, I think we could still do it as Rhonda. Nah, I'd just make him a gay man with a husband. Up the up the feminine energy. Nah, She's just I... a great character. And I love the whole sort of, you know, the selling the sex toys on the side, you know, almost like the kind of like naughty Berkitex lady. Was it Berkitex? What was that with the Tupperwares? I feel like you're going beyond my time. <laughs> I probably am. What was that? Was it like an Avon lady? It was folk that would like sell like things for your kitchen, so almost yeah, like a mobile Lakeland. Do you I know, know what, what you're meaning, but also yeah. there are like an Ann Summers rep is a real thing. A question that I just find interesting talking to the cast of the show because obviously I've like written the show and stuff. How many times am I going to fucking mention that? Get over yourself, Ingram. Um, what's your favorite Avon moment from the show? Without giving too much away. I would say my favourite personally. I wonder oh, if it's going to be one that I wrote or what Heather wrote. That's it. I, I, I don't want this spoil the show for anyone. So obviously it does, you can take it out. I think it would be there's the moment where um, they've just did the party. So everything's been kind of like building up. And Yvonne's obviously had a couple of drinks, even though she's pregnant, she shouldn't be doing that. And she's just sitting and her mum comes in and starts treating her like a little girl again and sort of going back down memory lane of the things that happened and basically holding her hands up to say, look, I get what happened to you and, you know, I stood back, I did nothing. And what I like about the scene is Yvonne actually doesn't say very much. It's all led by You're Sylvia. You're welcome. <laughs> and I know that's great. So I love that scene. I have hardly any lines. I love it. But I like that. I love see like, as an actor, when you're working on sort of your reactions to what somebody else is saying. And I just think Sylvia's part there is so well written of, you know, the explanation and the denial and this kind of confession coming out. And I just really think it's a very empowering moment for Yvonne because she's just a bit like, right, well, do you know what? Right, it did happen. Yeah, it was shit. But do you know what? Actually, look what I've actually achieved. Look what I've actually got. And I'm a badass bitch, and I'm going to go and get a job in the post office. So, mm. You don't get the job in the post office, by Oh, way. I didn't think I would, because I'm very no. pregnant. Yeah. I did think that they'd be like that. She just wants the maternity package. That did cross my mind. I was like, that. there's categorically no way she's going to be employable. I can't remember... Oh, now I know why we did that. We needed, because um, we always knew what Lips Arc was going to be, because it's based on someone. And we knew what was going to happen to Sylvia. And we already had Philip out of the way. But we needed just a way to tie it all in together. Mm -hmm. And then we needed to get Lip and Yvonne out of the house. Um, So that's why she went for a job. <laughs> mm -hmm. And also, good, like, 
rich. They need the money. Yeah, God love them. They do need the money. Like, and I feel like that's something we've shied away from this time, just because cost of living crisis. Yeah, and we like want it to be like slightly enjoyable for the audience, but like they're like proper on the on the cusp mm-hmm. of like being fucking skin. And again, I think there's a real what's so sad about that now you know we're in 2023 you know living in a developed country and yet what you'll probably find is the Moffat family are going to be highly relatable to a lot of people sitting in the audience which is why we need to get the tv script written (laughs) you know it but really well and I think especially post-covid with all the issues we've had around people losing Mm -hmm. jobs people now actually having ill health that now affects them long term we are certainly seeing it in the education sector that poverty now is rife. It's like Mad. we've stepped into a time machine and went like way back to like the 1930s or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that that was the Great Depression, wasn't it? If I mean to tip myself with the wrong I want to say the 20s. The 20s into the 30s. Yeah, it would be because men should weep the 30s, isn't it? It was when, it was, when, it was like depression. after the war, like before but the Second like that, war. it's like that, isn't it? You just think, you know... Even going to do your blooming weekly food shop, you're like, mm. God, I could see as you know, we're a hop, skip, and a jump away from ration booklets. But that's obviously been such a, a topic of discussion between myself and Heather on the behind the scenes side because we've made this piece of theatre that, like, I was so happy when you mentioned Two Pints and Shameless earlier. They're like my two favourite TV programmes of all time. Oh, good and- choice. Like, you've just got to look through this podcast and see the guests that I've had on, like, I fucking shit myself when I interviewed Susan Nixon. Like, that was, that was, like, that I don't know what happened. That would have been a pinchy moment, yeah. Oh, it was, like, and so even when we're talking about, like, how we're doing things as a business-wise, obviously we've still got to, like, make money off of this, but yeah. the people that it's about, I want them to come and be able to see it, and you can't make your tickets too expensive yeah. because the people that this show is about, like, can't afford 15 quid for theatre, so... That's been such a a topic of discussion between us Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. But I was doing an interview about the show last night. Can I say that? I think I can. Yeah, it'll be out by now Um, with the Glasgow Times because they did a big piece about us last year. And a quote that I found uh, from Binge Fringe magazine who came and reviewed it the last time sums it up. Like, so so I'm just going to read the quote so I don't have to do the work. Um, Those who have experienced trouble like the Moffats will find a profound relationship with their story. Those who haven't will be charmed by this show's cunning ability to drag them into their lives and reconsider the privilege of their circumstances. And I, I think that's going to be true for a lot of people. And I think it's such an important story Massively. that we're telling. And I, I hope people come and see it. My favourite Yvonne moment, though, I think is just whenever she's talking to Rhonda. Like, those are my favourite Oh, really? Why is that? Because I think those two just have such a... It's the one time we sort of, other than the one scene where it does get a bit heavy, it's the time that we see Yvonne detach from her friends. Not her friends, her problems. Like, we get to see her detach and we get to have these really fun conversations that, like, Heather and I... Like the the longest part about the writing of this play was finding out some of the words. Like I remember, that I have a particular line that is only going to make people more confused about this show, which is, "Don't ever talk to me about my grandma's minge. It wasn't fucking me." <laughs> it took us a good forty five minutes to decide how he would refer to his grandma's vagina. Yeah. Uh huh. What would be the colloquial term? Yeah, yeah. That a young guy would use. And we went through them all. But that was that was the funnest part. Like, see writing there back and forward. Like, 
I really feel like we've missed out on a trick in not having a real character in Pot Pie Pat. Like she sounds outstanding, by the way. Like honestly, that's who I want to play. Pork Pie Pat to me should be on the poster. Actually, I mean, I love Frida to bits, but I just think that visual. You know the one I'm talking about. I don't yeah. want to give the line away. Would be an absolute sensation. And do you know who in my head? Because me and Heather talk about this all the time. Like, who would we want? Like, if we had no budget and we could mm-hmm. get anyone we wanted, for some reason, if we did have Pot Pie Pat, I'd want Pam St. Clement to play her. Yes. Like in my head, she looks yes. like Pat St. Clement. Oh my goodness! And then her husband uh-huh. is like the shortest guy <laughs> in the world. Like I don't know. Like the wee um, oh the wee tiny guy Pete from Gavin and Stacey, like that kind of character, yeah. just a little overburdened, worn down little guy. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Listen, that's you now. That's your sequel. Yeah. Like, well, no, I think if we were to do a sequel, it would be. I think if there's something burning there for me anyway. I can't speak for Heather. Obviously, I want to adapt to the show for telly. I, I think yeah, that we've is, spoke about that before. Yeah, I think that's a next step, and that's going to probably happen at some point this year. But I think if I was to write another show, I think the person that interests me the most is Rhonda, mm-hmm. and I'd love to meet Gary because we only yes. hear of Gary in the show. But I'd love to meet him, and I sort of know what he's like because I, I I like I, once I write things I can't stop like I know what happens to these people until the day they die but yeah like Gary is like my is if there was something burning that I wanted to write something for stage I I think I'd be leaning towards Gary that's interesting I'd like to be in their house yeah I reckon they wouldn't actually really interact with each other that often I think they're very much passing ships in the night he's always doing his sponsorships and she's always out flogging dildos like I think they're but I feel like there's a side to Rhonda that we don't know like because I feel like Rhonda and Pork Pie Pat are two in the same. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Pork Pie Pat. Like, I feel like these characters who have such an inherent sexuality to them, mm-hmm. like, she's just, her house is just armed with Anne Summer's latest products. Like, she gets a delivery every other day. It would be quite the sight to behold, wouldn't it? Mm. It'd be like one of these Amsterdam museums. I feel like if we ever do the TV, something that I mentioned to Heather very nonchalantly, which has kind of gripped me because I know the other people in the world that we don't know. But I think Rhonda would have a YouTube channel. Yes. And talking about dildos and vibrators and all these different kind of sex toys. Yes. Or if it was like present day, like 2023, she'd 100% be a TikTok sensation, wouldn't she? Yes, she would be. Just like these 100%. sort of like snappy videos where it's just her flogging her latest toilet. And I think it would actually, that would be hilarious. I almost feel I want Leah just to make them for us. <laughs> well, we did in the original show last year, we had a couple of really um, scene changes in really inappropriate, not inappropriate inconvenient places mm-hmm. like we had like Frida had to come off and change her outfit twice before she went back on and we had like half a half a like blackout to do it in so R- Leah created this character called Ivana Hot Pot and it right. was Le- it was Rhonda's um like sex line alter ego amazing and we had her amazing. come out and do a few light skits um but yeah like I think if we would if I was writing another show I think the Moffat story is very neatly wrapped up in this play I would agree I think you leave quite satisfied where they're all going what's happened Mm. 
I would say there's a nice sense of peace at the end that's achieved, which is lovely considering, you know, at the start it is this just sort of chaotic domestic scene where they (laughs) they are just trying to survive as most families are now. They're just trying to get by with the day-to-day sort of drivel that we're having to put up with and all the worries and things like that. And I do think it definitely ends on you know, not only that sort of like optimistic note, but it just feels very peaceful. And you're right, it's because I think the the family's tied up and that's, to me, good writing. You know, you've provided that resolution. There's nothing worse, I think, when you leave a show and you're a bit like, well, well, what happened there? Like, what's the the story at the end? Oh, it's a cliffhanger. No, I'm not into them. I'm sorry, I'm like that. No, I want to know. My last question about this is where we get off before we move on because I'm very aware. Of Sorry, I know that we're about. just yapping away. Um, why why should people come and see the show? Because I've said it multiple times, but from your perspective, oh, and then I will answer again. Listen, people need to come and see this show because it is just without a shadow of a doubt vital that people support new and up and coming writers. That is the bottom line here you know it's like survival of the fittest out there in the creative world and there are so many incredibly talented new writers coming through that just aren't getting their work put on they're not getting it seen and I think you know for you and Heather I think your resilience throughout this whole project you've had so many ups and downs with it you know it's testament to both of you that you deserve to have people to come and see this it has not been an easy journey um obviously now it's an easy journey because i'm such a joy to work with um when she knows people, her lines do we, <laughs> which won't be this saturday because i don't know act two anyway um and we move <laughs> back at <laughs> the end on. of podcast get um, your script out end of that's it um might know them by the 10th of february the night before um And I think as well, there's just something there for everyone. I think it is a right cracking piece of Saturday night theatre. There's laughter in there. convenient that the show is on a Saturday. Isn't it just? And it's just, to me, a great piece of theatre, a wee something for everyone. I think every single character is relatable in some way, shape or form. And I just think it's just, it's like just a cracking bit of live telly. That's what it would be like. It's like sitting watching shows like Shameless, Two pints of lager, but you're watching it live in a theatre. I think what I want to say to everyone is, number one, it's a great show that I've worked on now for three years. Like, not many plays get three years worth of attention from somebody. No, Um, it's a long time. So come and see it. It's great. But what I will also say, and I can say it categorically, and I'm not including myself in this statement, on that stage on Saturday, the 11th of February, you will see the next generation of impeccable Scottish talent. Like, think of all the great things, Chewing the Fat, Still Game. They all started out in theatres, and now Greg Hemphill and Ford Keenan and um, Jane McCarry and Karen Dunbar are beloved national treasures. And I think that in 10 years' time, John Stewart, Tanya MacDonald, Heather Spiden, Frieda McDonnell, Leah Moorhouse are all going to be household fucking names. So come along so then you can say, I remember when she was in a two-bob bit play that that podcaster put on, and she was great. So and come and see lines. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if she doesn't know her lines, she's not going to be a household name because she's going to be dead. I, I was going to say, I'll be six feet under. 
Wow, very, no, I, I think that genuinely, I wrote an email yesterday, and the way that I described it was, we're back with an all-star cast. Like, I yes, genuinely yes. believe so much in this cast. And I think that in 10 years' time, people are going to be kicking themselves because they could have sold them for 15 quid a ticket. Like, when oh, Frida McDonnell so is on her fucking one-woman comedy tour that yes. is selling out the Hydro in 10 years' time for 150 quid a ticket, you're all going to go, we should have seen her in Webster's. Oh, 100%. Like, and I believe that Frida... Frida, I, I feel like I'm inviting agents to the show for myself, but I'm also kind of like Frida McDonnell. <laughs> Yes. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm mean, I'm telling everybody, everyone, obviously, because, like, I don't think anybody in our cast is represented anymore. But, yeah, like, I'm telling everyone. Like, but I feel like Frida's going to go so far. Oh, I can just hear us every time I hear Voulez-vous by Abba. Yes. Like love it, that. Love that scene. ruined it, but also made it so much better for me. Um, But what I want to talk to you about is drama school. The drama college because we both went to the was it Kelvin when you went there or was it Stowe? So I went to Stowe and then I went to Motherwell, Fun. which Fun. is now am I right in saying so? It's Kelvin now for Stowe and Inkland for Motherwell. Is that correct? We've had the exact same trajectories in life. I mean, I went somewhere and dropped out, but we won't talk about that. I was um, the same. I was at Glasgow University before. Well, I'll go. I went somewhere that we're not going to mention. One of it. my favorite things in the world are funny or crazy drama school stories because there's some shit that goes down in those rooms that people like i'm still like campaigning for educating rada because i feel like i'll earn millions of pounds off of it um do you have a story that you can share with us that's mad oh. or crazy oh i've got old so probably the one that i would share just to put you in the picture i was originally training to be a modern studies and RE teacher. So I was at Glasgow University doing quite a heavy joint masters in um, politics and world religions. And I dropped out um, just prior to actually getting my bachelor's degree in that um, because I decided I wanted to go and study acting and look at teaching drama and musical theatre instead. So I left quite a stuffy sort of academic world where I just, I hated my time at Glasgow University. I didn't make any friends, um, which I'm very honest about. They just weren't my kind of people at all. It's just I typical found... of you. Everybody just finds you a bit hard to swallow. <laughs> That's it. I'm very unlikable. I just <laughs> the found imposter whole... <laughs> Tanya's going to be in bed tonight going, they all hate me. <laughs> like that. I need to find some Harrison's. I need friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> break my heart. Um, but yeah, I just found it very pretentious, not my vibe. And I, you know, again, though, you see the bigger picture, it was because I was studying the wrong thing. <laughs> so, so, so don't laugh at my demise. So when I dropped out of Glasgow University and decided I wanted to be an actor, I had to work full time for a little while before starting Stroll College. So I had a job already. I worked actually in the pharmacy in Asda which was a cracking gig because I now have the most extensive drugs knowledge. Um, An addiction to prescription painkillers. Um, so because I had eight years there and they trained me, etc. But I had to pick up some extra hours on a checkout. It was just the worst time of my life, right? I was like, this is awful. Like, see people who work on checkouts. They are heroes. It is Do you know that was my dream most... job when I was a child? 
It's everybody's dream job when you're a child. Because you don't deal with the public when you're a child. You're just sitting there, beep, beep, doing the best bit. The beep's the best bit. So I was doing this really shitty job, feeling just really, like, I was so desperate to start college, right? Just to basically put you in the frame of mind. So when my induction came at Stowe, I I was just, I mean, I must have been really annoying. I must have been like an extra from Glee. I was just buzzing to be there. Like, to the point everybody kept thinking I must be on the musical theatre course. But I was like, no, I'm acting. I'm acting. Very serious. I'm in my blacks. Acting. And I did my first year at Stowe. I had a really um, amazing first year there, actually. Finally made some friends. Made some friends because I found my tribe. And then I went into my second year at Stowe and it just got even better I got offered loads of like productions that were additional to my HND that I was doing at the time. So I was as well as studying for my HND. I was doing lots of theatre on the side, just really living my best life. And not allowed to do that anymore. You're certainly not. And obviously, I was burning the candle at both ends as well because you know you're back at college. I mean, we were drinking and going out sort of six nights out of seven. It would have been seven out of seven, but we needed at least, you know, one night to sort of recharge our livers. And it just really was time of our life. So there was one night we did Grady Junit performance, right, the following day. And for anyone that doesn't know, Grady Junit's like your final exam, your final hurrah. And when you're in an HND, it's a really big fucking deal because if you don't get it, that's you. You've not got your diploma. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's serious, right? It's the, the sort of the end, the last hurdle. And, like, for somebody like myself, you know, I had managed to do six plays that year alone. So it was great. Wow. I was, you know, doing loads packed in. So it was just this last tiny wee bit I took it over. So me and my friend were doing Mike Cullen's Anna Vice. I don't know if anybody knows it, but it's a wonderful play, very complicated, um, Mike Cullen is a phenomenal writer, but he has this really unique style, bit like Carol Churchill, lots of overlapping dialogue. So it's a nightmare to learn. Fucking hate it. Um, but outstanding to watch. I mean, it is play Anna Vice. If nobody's seen it, you know, go and check it out. It is a dynamite piece of theatre. And we were doing this for our duologue. It was the night before, and of course, I don't know my lines, right? I've not looked at this. I've not. I've not actually. Why did nobody tell me this before I offered you a role? I don't know actually why. Right, team last minute. That's what I get called when I was at teaching college. Um, team last minute. I was in that side of the group doing everything the night before. So sure enough, the day before comes, right? And my friend who I'm doing this duologue with, she's like, right, we're only going to go to our other friend. She was having a party. She said, we're going to go for two drinks. Then we leave. We're going to go back to mine. We're going to stay up all night. We are going to learn this duologue. We are going to absolutely smash it. And we're going to go in tomorrow, do an exam, pass with flying colours. I'm like, right, brilliant plan of action. So we rocks up to our friend's gaff, right, which was this amazing flat in the city centre. So it was just party central. And We've rocked in, and do you know that way right away? I've looked at my friend that I'm doing my grady unit with, and I'm like, there's no way we're going after two drinks. Like, this place is like an episode of Skins. So, cut a long story short, 12 hours later, I wake up in a bathtub wearing a pair of sunglasses and a wizard's hat. I did not know where There's the episode title. Um, did not know where I was, what I was doing, arse from elbow, what day of the week it was. Also had that horrible realisation where you think, oh my God, have I actually died? Because I was just looking at white tiles on a ceiling. So I was like, what's going on? Sensory deprived. 
honestly, like, you know, doing an overnight at Guantanamo. So I've crawled out this bath with my wizard's hat on and my sunglasses, crawled through the floor, found my said friend chain smoking in the kitchen, absolutely up to high dough. And she's like, right, Tanya, our greedy unit performance is in 45 minutes. I was like, right, no bother, absolutely fine, get kettle on, let's have a coffee. Um, We rocked up to college. Yes, I still had on the wizard's hat and the sunglasses because I didn't realise at this point I had them on and my friend was also still that pissed. She didn't notice I had them on. We've walked in. Needless to say, our lecturers have looked at us. I think they thought we were doing some sort of weird like Nadine George warm-up or something like that because nobody really batted an eyelid. So we've not looked at this script at all. We're like that, do you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to go in and give this our best shot. So I think Leah really hates this story, right? Because obviously it's about like winging it and then getting away with it. And we did this scene and I don't remember it to this day, right? I couldn't tell you because I remember going to see the play Anna Vice and it was Leah that had to tell me at the end, you do know that was your graded unit piece? No, no idea. Couldn't have told you that, right? Didn't know what I did. I got, now this would have been many moons ago, obviously, what age am I now? 34, so I'd have been, what, 22? How many years ago is that? 12? Mm. Something like that. Somebody's probably taken the title since. At that point, I remember... Um, Dave Bennett telling us we got the highest mark that they had ever awarded for a geologue at Grady Unit level at HND. He was wanting to meet us to kind of break it down and find out methods and what we did (laughs) and all that. And I was just like, avoid, avoid. I was like, we need to make something up. Somebody has taken the title. I went on, was it you? Oh, shit. I've never admitted to this, but I've got a degree. So what are they going to do? Let me tell the story. I'll tell the story. Do it, right. They're it. not going to take my HND off me. Well, I hope no. they won't marry. Please don't. So very similar to you, I was doing a duologue and a monologue. And um, I was really paranoid about letting my duologue partner down. So mm-hmm. I spent every waking minute making sure I knew that duologue because it was from Zinni Harris's This Restless Life. This Restless, is it house or life? I want to say house. Um, So I was doing a duologue from This Restless Life by Zinni Harris. And again, it was another one that was like really difficult to fucking learn. Yeah. So I spent all of my waking hours learning this duologue and just was like monologue, go to fuck. Um, I won my entire monologue. I knew the first line. I knew the last line. And I got full marks. What was the monologue? Jumpers for Goalpost by Tom Wells. It was about this guy that was like sort of being like, I love you. Like, and it was just everything that he loved about this person. And I just made it all up. But I think, though, that's a prime example. You know, you making that up, doing very well. Me and my pal breaking history at the time for probably also being the only candidates to still be paralytic drunk during the exam. Oh, yeah, Um, I was sober. (laughs) Was not. Um, I think, though, that shows when you're in the midst of your training, Like I said, this was off the back of, I did a really good year, six plays under my belt, was working consistently. It shows you how your brain goes to such heights Mm. where you can glance at a script and it does literally soak in. It's like osmosis. You're just, you're, you're in that frame of mind. And I think that's why I've really struggled with um, my script for this is I have to now make the time. Does that mean I yeah. don't have that luxury where it was Can like sit for days. Bradley Cooper in Limitless, where you do, <laughs> you know, you feel that way. I think when you are training, you just absorb everything like a sponge. 
So you think that's the norm. And then you go out and you're working full time. You've maybe got an extra job in the side as well. But you're also still trying to do what you're so passionate about. And you're trying to yeah. learn scripts. And your brain is just like, no. And you're also older. You know, yeah. I mean, you're going back. Definitely, I would say the older you get, the harder it gets. I mean, that's why I just look at Dame Judi Dench. And I'm just like, how is she doing that? She must yeah. be doing Shakespeare in autocue. I mean, that woman is phenomenal. You know, to just have that alertness at yeah. that age is amazing. And I'm 34 and I'm like, oh, my God, actually Googling. Like, see, after last Saturday, I had to come home and be like, have I got premature dementia? Like, have I actually got that? Um, because why is my brain not working but actually no it's just no that's the reason I haven't shouted at anyone yet because everybody is dealing with their own shit like realistically I'm the only person in that room that can devote 24 hours a day to that play because I'm self-employed it's frustrating though because see when you enjoy a play no I get it but you've also got a mortgage to pay And it is, you almost become resentful of the job that is paying your mortgage because you're just, I don't want to do you. If I was paying you an actual wage, I'd have made you cry by shouting at you by now. Oh, That's and, the type but, of person I am. But you wouldn't have had to have done that because exactly. I wouldn't have not known it. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And I think that's the difference without a doubt when you are trying to juggle both ends, which let's face it, the majority of us are doing that in performing arts. And you you're also to. a teacher. Like, that's not just a nine-to-five job. <laughs> this is very true, especially now. Um, and as much as I do absolutely, obviously, adore it, it is tough. And you are shattered at night, you know, and it is then difficult. You're maybe reading your scripts and your tired. You're not taking it in, mm. um, which is why I was loving it. Like, last Saturday, just sort of banging through those scenes, repeating certain bits. That's how I learn. Yeah. So I knew coming away right away. I was like, right, I know my red areas and I know my green areas. Just from doing that. That's why we did. That. <laughs> yep. After Act Two, this week will be the exact same, yeah. and I'm not nervous in that sense. I'm I'm just really excited. I've got a lot of people coming to see this, so I know there's going to be a lot of love in the room. Yeah. Um, for everyone, by the way, not just for me. Um, friends and family who are always so supportive of anything I do. That extends to everyone, and you know, I do think there's going to be a really magical atmosphere on the night. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of drama school dropout listeners there. Get your tickets. That would be great. A question that I love to ask everyone is if you were to pick anyone in the world to do a two-hander with in the West End, they have to be alive. Who would you pick? Julie Walters. Wow, that's a good one. She's been said lots of times, though. I think her her diary is a bit like... And before um, she passed, Victoria Wood as well would be up there. But I would certainly also not pass up Jennifer Saunders, Joanna Lumley and Sheridan Smith. So if Julie Walters Mm -hmm. was busy, I would take any of the aforementioned goddesses because they're just they're just people you grew up with. So they're just they've been hugely influential, very inspiring. And yeah, I mean, my God, what a treat. Could you imagine? Yeah, I am buzzing for Sheridan Smith and Shirley Valentine. I think she's going to be outstanding. And I seen Jodie Prenger do that role years ago, and I actually thought Jodie was phenomenal. Um, accent slipped a couple of times, but it wasn't like jarring enough. But she was mm. her charisma was phenomenal. But I'm really looking forward to seeing Sheridan Smith in that part. I've got to carry on my tradition that's been going on be? for hundreds of weeks. Catherine Tate. <gasps> oh, good one. And I want Susan I like to write it. And I know Catherine would make me look like a piece of shit and I'm at peace with it. I was actually talking about her today at work. We were just I seeing how so phenomenal much. 
some of her comedy sketches are but sadly the cancel culture has just like shat all over anything funny now I love the one my favourite is the woman in the office that you know you've been to Tenerife she's been to Elevenerife and they have come a in and they're like have a guess that, that's it but it's the one the translator hasn't turned up hurdy, 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 hurdy. Hurdy, 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 hurdy. outstanding my... it is outstanding all oh, the favorite. camera work and everything in that sketch yeah. flawless my favourite Catherine Tate sketch, it's very, like, just what everyone says, but you can't show me, aren't you? You can't show me. Oh, uh-huh. I even love the story around how she created that character. Yes. It's wonderful as well. The fact that you know it's a real woman, I just think that's brilliant. The wee granny. Are you going to stand in front of that now. fucking telly all day? And then but... I do think um, Lauren Cooper is incredibly underrated, because I'm telling you now, she's an actor to deliver the monologues the way she does, especially the one with the French teacher. Is oh, no. absolutely outstanding. My, I lied. My favourite Catherine Tate sketch is Lauren Cooper and David Tennant. Yes. I must I bother Ed. I, I must I bother Ed. <laughs> Are you disrespecting the house of Cooper? Oh, she oh. is just fabulous. Catherine, come on the podcast. Oh, that that's a really good choice, actually, there. You've now yeah. made me, I'm like, oh. I've I always, Julie Walters like, has always been my go-to. It was originally Whoopi Goldberg, but then I was like, no, Catherine Tate. Mm. And I think she would be a scream in rehearsals. She'd make me look like a piece of shit and I'm so at peace with it, you know. No, I think you would bounce through the wheel off each other. No, I would be like... That is the only thing, isn't it? If you did get the opportunity to see, share the stage with, like, your icon, you would just be a puddle, wouldn't Which you? Which is why I've came to the conclusion that I think we would have to do Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Because I know the technique of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm st- she's still going to make me look like a piece of shit, but all the, all the reviewers are going to be able to say was, he was just average. Yeah, <laughs> like they're never going to be able to say I'm terrible because I actually know like the get that the on your tombstone. Yeah, Ingram Noble lies here. He was just average. Average, um, but yeah, like Catherine Tate. Catherine, come on the podcast. I know you're listening, and it's starting to feel a bit personal. But we're gonna play a game first before we say hurrah. Oh no! It's called Stage Right or Stage Shite. It's three okay. stories. Two of them are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and have been submitted by our lovely listeners. Okay. And one of them has been made up by our producer, Heather, who you also know very well. Okay, and so mm-hmm. our job is to find out which one's the lie. I've got the answer in a sealed envelope with your name Ooh, on it. So right, I can okay, play okay. This. Oh, um, I like this. These stories are my favourite thing in the world to anybody listening. If you've so made these it this are real, far, so people are, so are two of them have in. been submitted by listeners. <gasps> okay. Um, wow. If you've made it this far, congratulations, because we've spoken a lot of shite today. Um, but go back and listen to all the stage rights and stage shites. And maybe this summer there might be a little book coming out, so keep your eyes peeled for that. They are the best bits of the podcast. So it's our job to find out which one's the lie. Number one, I'm a lecturer in drama school, and a moment that made my eyes widen and I almost spit out my morning tea was on the first day of a new term, and we were doing the usual go around the circle and tell everyone what your name is and a fun fact about yourself with a new class. And we got to this one girl, let's call her Louise. And she just said, hi, my name is Louise and I like to get fisted. That wasn't the kind of fact I was looking for. That's true, I think. I think that was me. I think he's changed my name for Louise. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Same. Number uh... two. <laughs> um, That's definitely happened without I think a doubt. So. That's no. something you would say when you're nervous and put in the spot and you're just like, I, I like to get fisted. fisted. Don't say fisted. Oh, I like to get fisted. Oh, it came out. Oh, it um, came out. 
Number two, I was studying musical theatre at college and I performed a song from Carrie about being bullied and I got quite upset after I performed and my lecturer saw me crying in the corner and immediately told me I had to perform again right away because this emotion was perfect. I was kind of distraught at the time and didn't need to do that. Number three, I was auditioning for a Broadway show and in the scene I was walking to my car and someone was going to try and kidnap me and I had to punch my scene partner. While I was sitting in the waiting room, I saw that the girl who was going in before me had her car keys in her hand and in that moment, even though I hadn't rehearsed with keys, I decided that I was going to use my keys. So I went in and everything was going well until my scene partner started to try and kidnap me and I stage punched him in the face, still holding my car keys. I didn't judge it right and I cut his face open with my keys. I mean that more that <sighs> I I'm gonna say three because what kind of stage show has a car <laughs> but needs keys? That that's excellent detective skills there. I was actually more thinking I'm like you don't have to follow me. Keys in your hand, though, wouldn't you? Like, that's an odd thing to say. I forgot I had my keys in my hand. You feel mm. no, I kind of agree because see the carry thing. That is something well, I mean it is toxic, isn't it? If you're obviously oh, distraught. Yeah. But I can see that happening because you will get people that are like that. Oh, emotion, memory, emotion, memory. So I think <laughs> yeah. the first two are stage right and yeah. the third one stage right. Like, I'm just thinking, especially the only musical that I can currently think of, and I don't even know if it's been on Broadway that has a car in it, is Chitty. Back to the Future have a car? That's not been on Broadway yet. No. And also... And even in Chitty, who's kidnapping her? The child catcher? Mm-hmm. And nobody gets kidnapped in nobody Back gets to the Future. Do they? No, I think I'm going for three. I think I would agree. Uh, I think, but we yeah. are saying this. It could have been like a Broadway show that never made it out of the workshop process. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that sounds amazing! A car and a kidnap on stage. Who would have thought? <gasps> Number two, we were both wrong. Shut up! So there is one with a car and a kidnap and a guy with a gaping open face. Oh, uh, I would have actually it... put money in that. By the way, I'm very surprised. Mm. Is it bad that I'm almost more laughing at the fact that Louise is real and likes to get fisted? That's outstanding. I love stories like that. Oh. If you're listening to this and have a story for stage right or stage shite, please go down into the show notes and click the link to the Google form and submit your story. And who knows, it might be anonymously featured on the podcast. These are some of my favourite things in the world. Like, I love them. I thrive off them. Excellent. It's mad. We have a closing tradition on the podcast. It's where I get the previous guest to leave a question for the current guest. I did not steal this from Stephen Bartlett and Diary of a CEO. I thought of this all by myself and then listened to Diary of a CEO and I thought I was keeping it. So you know what? If you think that I'm a little plagiarizer, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Um, But the question that has been left for you is, what's the worst thing you've ever eaten? An answer came to your mind there that you couldn't say, didn't it? I can almost exactly say what you... You were just about to say, my ex-boyfriend's penis. Am I correct? His was actually quite nice. Um, (laughs) No, it just just triggered something else, a memory. I'm sorry, and it's not even funny. It's one of those moments you had to be there, but it just triggered it. Um, um, Oh, God. Say the Something I hated. What's the worst thing you've ever eaten? Mine. I can answer this straight away, was a spider in Cambodia. See, this question's now made me think I'm just a greedy bitch because I love everything <laughs> I put in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I really do. I'm such a foodie. I just absolutely love eating. Um, So I wouldn't really even say I've hated something. I'll maybe go, oh, that's different. Um, 
but I always go in and give it a shot, you know. I could go with a food that I don't like, that I can't take to, that really pisses me off, because I think it's a very sophisticated thing to like. I can't stand olives. I don't like olives either. I don't like an olive in my mouth. Now, I'm one of these people, I love things like anchovies, Brussels sprouts, things that people wouldn't normally like, like blue cheese. I'm such a fussy eater, though, so you're talking to like... It's the only thing I cannot eat. Oh, and tomatoes that, unless I'm abroad, I love tomatoes when I'm on holiday. I think they taste so much better than the wee shitty tomatoes here. So yeah, probably olives, but yeah, no, I like, yeah, I like the things Mm. I put in my mouth. Stop saying that. You're a teacher, Tanya. And what I'm talking about food, darling. Um food. Mine was a spider in Cambodia. That was the worst thing I've ever eaten. Was that alive? No. Or was it fried? Fried, fried. deep fried spider. And also, what's that fruit that's pink? And then when you open it, it's like white but with like black seeds. Dragon fruit. That was fucking disgusting. I don't actually think I've tried no wait, have I tried that? Is that a dragon fruit? No, it is because it looks like it's got um, like scales, doesn't it? On the outside, yes. like it's a yeah. Nah. Um, um, what question would you like to leave for the next guest? What's coming up next for you? So next up for me is, this is going on the podcast, isn't it? So I better yes. not commit myself to things that I'm then not going to see through or otherwise I could actually say it and then be held accountable. Um, So we could go with the latter. So um, some people listening to this might know or might not know, but I had my own show um, seven, eight, nine years ago and various things happened and sadly the rug was kind of pulled away from us at the last minute and it was a really big blow actually. Um, more so for me, what I went through, I really lost my confidence. I didn't perform right, do anything for years after it. I'd been sort of toying before COVID of, you know, getting back to the show, revamping it, completely transforming it. And since being back in the rehearsal room for this, certainly, and also what I've went through in my own personal life in recent years, alongside one of my closest friends, he has just recently went through something um pretty profound as well that and we were together sorry just for context of that he was also involved in the project that we did I think we're going to look to bring something back um perhaps not this year but definitely next year um and get back to presenting our work for the Glasgow Comedy Festival that's what we used to do I used to do the stand it'd be nice to get back and do some gigs there do you know who I'd love to see you work with is it Louise McCarthy yes uh, so Everyone Louise McCarthy and Ill Telfer yeah, Stevens, I feel like you'd be a great like third doll. Yeah, do you know it's so funny you say the amount of people that say that, and I feel like I know the two girls. We've got mutual friends again, so you hear people talking yeah. about them. But um, I think they're wonderful. The pair of them, um, I seen Gil Telfer Stevens and Louise McCarthy and the Steamy when it came to the Hydro. I don't know if you've seen that version they did. It was fantastic. Um, mm just the way they revamped it, but, oh, they're just a sensation, the pair of them. Just to wrap this podcast up, though, I don't know. Sorry, I keep forgetting you're doing this. I've got nothing planned. I've got nothing planned tonight, Um, so we can chat as much as you want. I don't know how you feel about, normally I'd say to people, where can people follow you on socials? I'm shit with socials, but I'm not very... But I don't know, just, like, I'm constantly, like, with you, like, she's the teacher. (laughs) Um... Well, you could do it. Let me see. I'm looking up my socials because I don't even know my own handles. Oh, for fuck's sake. This is why I actually need an agent because I don't know how to do anything. Right. 
my Instagram is Tanya Mac 88 which I would say actually that's what I used to actually because I used to put my videos and stuff like that up on that mm. that would really be the only one because my Twitter's just teacher so it's yeah. shite that's very boring shite and I'm never on Facebook, so I would just go Instagram. Yeah, also, we're not advertising your personal Facebook. <laughs> no, I would say Instagram. So, Add me on Snapchat. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I don't have that. I'm not 13. Um, oh, I've still got Snapchat. Me and Heather do the majority of our discussing this um, point on Snapchat. Do you want my OnlyFans? Yes. Just that'd, that'd well get you sacked. <laughs> um, I'm just joking. I actually don't have an OnlyFans, but I think I I'd won't be leave brilliant. that in. Uh, don't do anything. <laughs> oh, John Stewart's. John Stewart's just requested to be my friend on Facebook. That's creepy. He's known we're talking about him. That's creepy, isn't it? John, you can come out now. <laughs> he comes out. John, John. We're doing him. lines, kidding. <laughs> but anyway, I'll let you go. All um, right, my I darling. I need to phone my mum back. She's going to be like, what the fuck are these people I know, talking about? Taylor, I know, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> right, Angel, I'll see you on yes, Saturday. I'll see you on Saturday. Have fun with your fucking air fryer. Oh, I will. Always. <laughs> Have a good night. You too, Angel. I'll speak to you soon. And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 121 completed. Thank you so much to Tanya for coming on the podcast, and make sure to follow us both on social media, which you'll find down in the show notes below. Tanya and I are obviously playing big parts in This Is Where We Get Off at the Webster's Theatre on the 11th of February 2023. It's so close now, I think it's 11 days. Please get your tickets and come and see this absolutely spectacular show. If you are in Glasgow, you don't want to miss out, just let me promise you that. Don't forget, if you've got a story for stage right or stage shite, please go down into the show notes and click the link to the Google form and submit your story. Genuinely, these are my favourite things in the world. You know how much I rave about them. So please do your worst. Tell us your best stories. And a massive thank you to all of you guys at home for listening in every week as I chat shite to some of my favourite people in the world. And I would really, really appreciate it if you left a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know. I'll be back again next week with a brand spanking new episode. So until then, have a great week. Stay safe. I love you. Drama school drop no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout.